The contents of the lab report are meant for educational purposes only. They're not meant to be misconstrued as medical diagnosis or treatment advice. Thanks. <laughs> You're welcome. Today on the lab report, we're going to talk about apolipoproteins. Yep, you guessed it, more ratios. And that is super fun to say. Apolipoprotein has like a nice cadence yeah. to it. Bup, 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 You're good bup, at bup. it. The world of medicine can be challenging. Clinicians and patients are always looking for more options, more effective treatments, and in the end, more answers. Functional and integrative medicine focuses on addressing root causes of disease. Here at Genova Diagnostics, we've watched this field evolve and grow for over 35 years. We've not only adapted, we've led. Join us as we talk about functional medicine, laboratory testing, and optimizing health. Welcome to the Lab Report. You weren't lying. You actually do have a bag of candy corn at your desk. Yeah. Gross. No, it's not anymore. It's gone. Oh my, it's not even Halloween. Why? It's the fall. True, but... Harvest season. I think of it as Harvest all that candy corn. I I think it's seasonal. I don't think of being able to get the mallow cup in the middle of summer. Hello! Cadbury eggs. How's it going, Patty Devers? It's going great, Michael Chapman. How are you? Welcome to this podcast called The Lab Reports, brought to you by Genova Diagnostics, where we talk about things like specialty lab testing, integrative therapeutics, and precision medicine. Thank you for being here. Yeah, we also talk about Halloween candy. Yeah, I mean, we, you got to get into it. You I gotta, know. You know. Warm up. <laughs> See your well, warm ups. If you're new to the show, welcome. If you're returning, thanks so much. And hopefully you'll go to iTunes or Spotify and maybe rate, review, subscribe, leave some stars, things mm-hmm. like that, some mm-hmm. feedback. If you have additional feedback, you can send it to podcast at gdx.net. That is our email address. No, and so you're not wrong. It is seasonal, right? Okay. So candy corn is available all year round for those who who have have the need of it all year. Who are those people? Um, But they also, they'll they'll promote it. You know, they'll put Mm. it on the end caps and things like that when it's the fall season. So it's both. Gross. It's available whenever you need it and promote it certain times of the year. Lucky us. Well, today we're we're talking about apolipoproteins, as you so aptly said in the intro, which begs a question. Uh Is it apolipoprotein or apolipoprotein? I don't. Uh, technically, no. I say apolipoprotein because I think of mm. lipids. So I, mm. I, I'm consistent with how I say lipids, so apolipoprotein. But I don't know. I and don't I don't know. say do lipids. Say? I mean, but I actually say apolipoprotein, and I guess that's incorrect. I don't. Uh, well, we can ask. We can pull up one of those YouTube pronunciation things. Let's do uh, it. Yeah. Apolipoprotein. Well, that I mean, that sounds like lipoprotein, right? Pretty definitive. But it there. said apolipoprotein, which is not. I think of apo. Why, why <laughs> I would think you, of apo lipo. So don't look at me. <laughs> why would you go a soft a there? I don't understand. Do we have any other wait, opinions wait, out there? Wait, wait, here's a, here's another one. Okay, listen to this one. Apolipoprotein B. Apo. Apolipo. Who is that? Some guy. Oh, some guy. Okay, great. Maybe I should just call my mom. See how she pronounces yeah. it. Okay. Apolipoprotein. Okay, that was an interesting variation. Soft A, hard, hard I. I. But, but that it, was a computer. I mean, it was not your mom. That was not my. That was not <laughs> a very robotic version of my. No, that was a computer, and I doubt that that computer has a lot of real world experience to be able to <laughs> accurately pronounce apolipoprotein. Is, do we have? Are anyone else want to weigh in? One more. Apolipoprotein. I mean, what was that? I, don't even know. I mean, it's like that short circuit in the computer. <laughs> you can't just make things like it added syllables. <laughs> Prolian, it put an L in. It just was like, I give up. I give up. Let's hear that again. Apolipoprotein. Perfect. There it is. Well done. Well, enough of this. Why don't we talk about what is sure. an apolipoprotein? Apolipoprotein. Yeah, okay. Uh, good place to start, as always. Let's start right at the beginning. So uh, what is an apolipoprotein? What does it mean? Uh-huh. 
What's the entomology of this thing? Entomology is a study of bugs, Michael. Right. We're asking what's the etymology That's of this what thing. what I said. Right. And what is it? Oh, you're asking me? You want me to suss this out? Yeah, suss right. it out. I'll suss away. So, apo, which I believe is something like above, correct? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, and then it ends with protein, so that's pretty self-explanatory. It's protein. I would think, so yeah. it's a protein. And mm-hmm. so then lipo, essentially saying that fat. So, so I would say it has something to do with uh, a protein that is above some type of fat. Yep, and it's actually a surface protein that's on lipid molecules and is helpful in lipid metabolism. Okay, so let me get this straight. If you're thinking about cholesterol... Like LDL or HDL? Right, exactly. So you have these kind of circular molecules. Okay. And each one of them has a little surface protein, something Mm -hmm. that hangs out on the outside of it. And that is going to be what this apolipoprotein is. And there's various types, right? So what do these apolipoproteins do? Why do we have them? What's going on? Yeah, they're, they're part of the structure of the molecule, right? But it's also, it serves as like a, a ligand or a, a, a specific receptor on cell membranes to help fat distribute throughout the body. So it helps to recognize where it's supposed to go. So and it's kind of like a, a, there's like a lock and key sort of system yeah. here. And yep. it is kind of like the key where it like lines up against different cells and then can say, here you go, here's some... Boom. Here's some fats for right. your cell. It can also activate or inhibit various enzymes involved in lipid metabolism. So, and to your point, there are different types. Oh, yeah. There's some different types yep. out there. So we've got uh, things like apolipoprotein A and even A1, A2, A4, A1, by the way. Delicious. Mm. Um, apolipoprotein B. There is also apolipoprotein C followed by apolipoprotein D and E and Yikes. also F. Um, there is also an apolipoprotein H, L, and an M. Uh, I think we st- no G apparently. I don't. Well, why I don't is there an why. A1? There's not a G there. Maybe the, the G fell out of favor or something. I don't know. Is there like H1, H2, just A1? No, those are flus, Patty. Oh, um, H1, N1. Different, different right. thing. These are proteins. So, but mainly as it relates to cardiovascular disease, we're talking mostly about apolipoprotein A and specifically A1, mm-hmm. delicious, and apolipoprotein B. Right. Okay. So, Patty, like, what's the significance here? Because we're talking about these things. They're surface proteins. They're on the outside of things like LDL and HDL. Why are we measuring them? Are they do they do something wrong or can they break? Like, what's the what's the whole point of measuring them? Well, one way they're used is that because we know there's a surface protein on every single kind of LDL and every single HDL, some people use it as a proxy number for like particle number, which is commonly measured on cardiovascular profiles. So it's like a proxy for LDL particle number. Right. And so the significance of LDL particle number is just that LDL by itself is important for atherosclerosis risk. But we also think about the overall particle number, because as we've talked about with endothelial dysfunction, that is a main driver and initiating event for cardiovascular disease risk and plaque formation. And it might actually be the size of the LDL that is of bigger concern. Right. So if you've studied with functional medicine, precision medicine or these concepts, uh, we think about the small, dense LDL as being more atherogenic than the large, fluffy, buoyant LDL. And so there's different sizes and densities of these LDLs. And so the small, dense ones um, might produce more risk, might produce more plaque. And it's ultimately because they're, they're smaller and they can get in between the cells of the endothelium, that leaky endothelium. And so the particle number tells you essentially how many of these small, dense LDLs there might be compared to the large, buoyant ones. Okay, so 
if I'm hearing you correctly, LDL is the bad cholesterol, but if they're large and buoyant, they're less a problem than the dense, small LDL, which are atherogenic. But either way, they're going to have apoproteins on them. Right. And so in the same way that we think of LDL particle number as telling us perhaps how much of the small, dense LDL there might be, right? Because think about it this way. So say you have a bucket, okay? Mm-hmm. And in this case, the bucket might represent like the blood tube that you just drew in somebody, okay? But say you have a bucket and you can either put big fluffy ones, which we'll think of tennis balls, big fluffy LDLs as tennis balls, and you think of small, dense LDLs as ping pong balls, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're just saying how many balls are in this bucket, if you have a bunch of small, dense ping pong balls, you can put a lot more in that bucket as compared to if you filled it with tennis balls, which are the large fluffy ones. So the larger the number of balls in that bucket, in this circum, in this idea, LDL particle number, that's going to tell you there's more small, dense ones. Does that make sense? It does. Okay. So that brings us to, let's talk about the actual apolipoproteins, A1 and B. Okay. And as you just so eloquently laid out. I don't know if that was eloquent. I mean, <laughs> we talked about tennis balls and ping pong. That's, I don't know if I would describe that as being eloquent, but it's thank you anyway. Important information. So you think about what's the difference between A1 and B, and it's exactly this. So on our previous podcast, we talked about HDL being the quote-unquote good cholesterol, which means it picks up LDL from an atherosclerotic plaque and transports it back to the liver to be converted to bile and excreted in your GI tract. It has that reverse cholesterol transport. So we think of HDL as good, and we think of LDL as being, quote-unquote, bad. Apolipoprotein A1 is on HDL, and B is on LDL, or the bad cholesterol. Yeah, and to be specific, so apolipoprotein B, ApoB, is on LDL, whether it's large buoyant yep. or whether it's small dense. So it is very much like LDL particle number in that way. But not only that, it's also on IDL, which is intermediate density lipoprotein, and it's actually on VLDL as well. So it's not just a marker for LDL particle number, but all of those that have atherogenicity to it. So VLDL, IDL, small dense LDL, and large buoyant LDL, all of those, which independently have cardiovascular risk associated with it, it's kind of like a super LDL particle number. It's larger than LDL particle number in what it encapsulates. Okay, so and that's probably why a lot of people tout ApoB as one of the best cardiovascular risk markers. Yeah. And so I think about it, A1 is good, good cholesterol. Delicious. ApoB, bad. Mm. So let's talk... what you did there. (laughs) It's convenient. So let's talk a little bit... Specifically around A1, we talked about how it's on HDL and it's on the good cholesterol. Not steak. But, but that apolipoprotein A1 is actually what helps HDL accomplish that reverse transport. In and of itself, mm. it has the antioxidant and anti-inflammatory effects. That ApoA1 helps to stimulate nitric oxide mm. and release of prostacycline from the endothelium. And we talked about that in our endothelial dysfunction right. episode. So right. it helps HDL be even better. So not is it just a marker for perhaps HDL and HDL particle number, which is excellent. It's actually there by the mechanism to which HDL does some of its awesome functions, too. Correct. Huzzah for ApoA1. (laughs) Delicious. Okay, so we talked about HDL, LDL, triglycerides, and some ratios on the last episode. Here we're talking about apolipoproteins and A1 being on the good cholesterol, 
B being on the bad cholesterol. And we measured these as part of the brand new profile that was released last week here at Genova called the Cardio Check. Right. And on the Cardio Check profile, we not only measure these independently, but we ratio them. So right. maybe we should talk about what the apolipoprotein A1 to B ratio is telling us. I mean, I think we should. And I, I guess the only thing I'm questioning is whether we're giving it enough enough punch hmm. you know what i mean yeah, so i think important. we have a right i think we have a better way to do this and maybe something that we oh, haven't no. done in a while which oh, is no. better know a biomarker you think you, you know? know you think you know your biomarkers you don't know you don't know your biomarkers this is, this is. better know biomarkers this is the best it's, it's the I best mean, we've this, got this to pay that band. I mean, times are tough right now, and we re- I feel really bad this about that. This is, in fact, one of my favorite jingles that you've ever done. Anyway, I feel like that's enough pizzazz. Is that, you think that's... So let's yeah, talk think, about I think this. you sold this is, it. This yeah. is a big, big deal. ApoB to ApoA1 ratio. Don't ask Go me why it. denominator, numerator, or which hey. one's which. That's just blah, the way blah, it blah. is in the research. Okay, That's so right. what we're looking at is the comparison between the both. And one could say that if you were to evaluate the LDL concentration compared to the HDL concentration, that might tell you some good information. Mm-hmm. If you actually looked at what's called the non-HDL cholesterol, that tells you some good information. Mm-hmm. We talked about that last time uh-huh. because it's saying how much of your cholesterol is good as compared to bad, basically, right. that pie chart. This is now taking it a step further and saying, well, of the LDL and HDL concentrations, let's look at the comparison of the particle numbers, basically. Right. So that's really what we're looking at with this ApoB, ApoA1 ratio, and it's fantastic in its ability to predict cardiovascular risk. And I'll tell you, there are some huge studies that have been done regarding this ApoB to A1 ratio, something yeah. called the AMORIS study, the apolipoprotein-related mortality risk study showed that it's really specific for ischemic and atherosclerotic events as compared to risk for other diseases, such as cancer and dementia. And additionally, there's another landmark study called InterHeart, which was a study of acute MI patients, patients with acute myocardial infarction. Mm -hmm. And it just showed that this ratio predicted acute MI. Nice. Yeah. And so we we think about how important LDL particle number, like it's, it's been given a lot of, uh, attention for good reason. Right. And so I think a lot of our clinicians are familiar with LDL and they kind of, you know, this is sort of like was the end all be all and emphasis on was because the thing about this ratio, the ApoB, ApoA1 ratio is that it compares particle numbers between LDL, IDL, VLDL Mm -hmm. and HDL. So it's superior to LDL particle number by itself. And it excludes the actual value of LDL, right? It it removes that as part of the synthesis. So you're not just looking at people who have adequate levels of LDL or high levels of LDL. It's independent of somebody's actual true LDL level, which is fantastic. It's kind of a big deal. So join us in the now with APOB to A1 ratio and prefer it over the particle number. Wow, join us in the now, huh? Yeah. I mean, we're the cool. I'm cool still, group. I don't know about that. I'm still <laughs> wearing boot cut jeans. I don't think that's very now, I guess, but skinny jeans make me mad. What can I say? Good for you. You know, Patty, since we're on the topic of uh, apolipoproteins, it uh-huh. also, there's other lipoproteins too, not necessarily apolipoproteins, but specifically, I'm thinking about LP little a. 
yeah. uh, which is a lipoprotein. You want to give us a little bit of a backstory on LP little a? LP little a is lipoprotein A, really. And, and what it is, it's an LDL-like particle where the ApoB, apolipoprotein, is bond to bad. apolipoprotein A. So it's like an LDL particle that has these bound apolipoproteins on it. And it's really important. It's It contributes to risk by volt, multiple mechanisms. And we measure it because it can potentiate atherothrombosis with inflammation mm-hmm. and oxidizing phospholipids. Don't want that. No. It causes the accumulation of various molecules within the arterial wall, which we know is bad. Yeah, and clinically, you know, I think a lot of times what we think about with LP little a is that this is very strongly genetically derived. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, So this is kind of like an independent risk factor, which contributes to atherogenicity, as you said, but isn't as much of a modifiable risk factor in my mind Mm -hmm. as compared to things like LDL. I mean, certainly cardiovascular disease and even LDL, HDL has some genetic component to it. But we think of LP little a as being very strongly influenced by your genetics. Anyway, I feel like I've been talking a lot. You want to add anything to that? No, just that the circulating LPA levels are genetically determined by the LPA genes. It's time. Travis. It's time. Patty was making a point. (laughs) Question of the day. It's the question of the day. You doing this on purpose? Hitting the button. That's just the song we play. Doing this on purpose. Doing what? I play the song I always play. It's the worst one. No. All right. Uh, Travis, do we have a question of the day? Did oh, he, it's here he on my desk. It, yeah, he oh, it yeah. it's right there. <laughs> it's right here. Okay. <laughs> um, let's see. This one is from Joe, actually. Oh, we haven't heard from Joe in a while. I was starting to worry a I little know. bit about Joe. Oh, he's still there. All right. Well, okay. Joe wants to know whether there are anti, any interference uh, on the cardio check. Are there things that maybe we should be aware of or not take if we're going to do a cardiovascular hmm. assessment in general, perhaps? Very common question, and I would say that first and foremost, Genova does not recommend you hold any medically necessary medications or supplements in order to do testing. That decision is up to patients. That's and a fair point. Right. If something is medically necessary, yeah. then it's it's medically necessary. That's right. right? So That's like, right. The, the test is not more important than something that is medically <laughs> necessary. And if you're on something to lower your cholesterol, your doctor might want to know whether it's working, looking at the efficacy of its treatment. But we on the collection pack instruction lists things that may interfere with our ability to run the assay or alter what's going to be resulted. And so one of those is NAC, N-acetylcysteine, interestingly. It's a supplement mm-hmm. that actually interferes with the actual lipid assay in the laboratory, and it could result in falsely low levels. So NAC is something to consider. Falsely low levels of? Lipids. Okay. Yeah. Like LDL, HDL. That's right. So okay, and it's falsely, and, falsely and that's something that people more and more people are taking these no days. No kidding. So right. yeah, right. good to be aware of N-acetylcysteine problem. And other things to think about are the fact that unless you just want to see good numbers on the test. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> the other thing to consider is that also on the cardio check we're measuring something called high sensitivity CRP, C-reactive protein, which right. can be high in a lot of things. And so we don't recommend that you test during infection or injury or acute illness or if you avoid exercise at least 24 hours before the collection so that you don't have an elevated HSCRP for other reasons other than cardiovascular disease. You're telling people to avoid exercise? Well, if they want an accurate HSCRP. So you're a physician and you're telling people not to exercise. <laughs> If you're getting the cardio check, it's something to consider. So if you, you don't want to, to see what your cardiovascular health is, you need to stop exercising. Stop. Or maybe you should just run to your doctor's office all the way to get the blood drawn. I like it. <laughs> Next time on The Lab Report, Renee Zellweger. What? <laughs> Renee Zellweger. You had me a hello.
No, not really. I just, I just really like that movie. You've been listening to The Lab Report. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast, rate us, and leave us a review. To learn more about Genova Diagnostics, visit our website at gdx.net. There you'll find information on specific testing, educational resources, and how to connect with our show. Call us at 1-800-522-4762 or email us at podcast at gdx.net. Okay, here's my question, right? Mm -hmm. Recently watched Jerry Maguire... Get to the end, yada yada, storms in the house. I don't understand what he did to deserve her love. Like, what what redeeming quality did he display at the end other than showing up again at her house? I've never seen it. Okay. Good talk.